Get ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions. We'll dive into education issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Seydorf. Well, welcome back. I am very excited to be able to share some current rural research. And as we all know, Research and rural don't always go together, and it's exciting when we have people that are working on their doctoral dissertations that focus on rural education and what's going on that can have impact for all of our school communities. So it's my privilege and pleasure to introduce my guest for today, Dr. Kelly Burns, recently Dr. Kelly Burns, exciting uh, to be able to call you that, Kelly. Um, for a conversation around her research that she just recently completed. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing her sharing the results of what she did during that uh, dissertation process and what the outcomes have been. Because I do think that it really has an impact for rural communities as far as what they might be able to put in place for their rural students that have disengaged from schooling. So Kelly, if you would start by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and where you work, and uh, then we'll get into the questions. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It is uh, so important to my heart. And to know that other people are interested in this is just a, a gift. Uh, my name is Dr. Kelly Burns. It's still kind of a surreal title. <laughs> Um, I am the district executive officer of the Yavapai Accommodation School District. I have um, mastered saying that title. Essentially, it is the superintendent of our local alternative school, which is run under the direction of the county school superintendent. All accommodation schools are run under the direction of their county school superintendent if that county chooses to have uh, an accommodation school district. Um, it is an alternative school. And um, the reason I told I, I chose this topic was because I see a significant um, disadvantage in our alternative students. And many, many, many times, even before COVID, uh, they fall off the radar and nobody knows where they are. And essentially nobody really cares that much about them. And um, before COVID hit, I had decided that I needed to figure out how to do research into um, engaging our community into helping and rallying around these kids. Um, it started with a conversation that I had with a dear friend who uh, has a um, heating and cooling business and he uh, could not find employees. And I thought that is right up my alternative school's kids alley. Um, but these kids sometimes drop off the radar and they don't engage in school and they don't engage in work. And um, they become lost youth. And I started to think about how I could change that. And, and then COVID hit and that enhanced everything. 
sadly. Um, but it was a perfect time to really delve into this information and, um, and start my research from there and the beginnings of big change that I see to come. So talk a little bit more, Kelly, about what your topic was, because you, you, show, you showed and shared the why of, of why you picked the topic, but what was it? Uh, my topic was disconnected youth in rural communities. Uh, it was a case study, and it was just to uh, determine what the effects of disconnected youth were, if any, in our small rural communities. So, Kelly, you used the quote in your dissertation to start out. And I'm going to read it because I think it's pretty powerful. The greatest tragedy of disconnection is the loss of an individual human potential, not only the energy, talent, and ideas that each young person can bring to the table, but also the positive economic contributions a young person can make as a working taxpaying citizen. So with that as the background, can you explain what the term disconnected youth means? And then how does it show up differently in a rural setting? Because there are disconnected youth in all different locales. Okay, so disconnected youth, the term disconnected youth, the official definition of disconnected youth is youth ages 16 to 24 who are not currently employed or working. And that um, does not include the kids who have graduated from high school who are headed to college and they may not be working. They're not obviously in school at that time. Mm-hmm. They're not working, but they are not included in that definition. These are the kids who basically have fallen off the grid, who um, are not in school and who are not working for a long period of time. Um, they um, are the kids who uh, are long-term less likely to contribute to the job environment, get their high school diploma, even their GED, anything like that. Um, Shows up a lot differently in rural settings than urban because there are a lot less services available to our disconnected youth in rural service, in rural settings. Um, They're not only um, educationally and, um, in the unemployment um, realm of disconnection, there's not as many schools available, especially not as, as many alternative schools available, which most of these kids strive in. Um, but there's also ineffective mental and health services. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an increase in health challenges. And there's little to no public transportation for them. Um, if they don't have a car, they can't get anywhere. Uh, they experience higher incarceration rates, and that is um, parental and uh, juvenile incarceration rates. Um, Rural area disconnection is about 20% uh, of our youth, as opposed to the lowest percentage being small cities, which was just under 13%, and the larger urban areas were just over 14%. Um, Another statistic that I found absolutely shocking in this research was that 20% of Americans live in rural areas, but only 9% of the nation's physicians practice in rural areas, which means 91% of our nation's physicians and healthcare providers 
are in the big cities and the suburban communities. So that puts them at a tremendous disadvantage advantage for any services in our communities. I had never heard that statistic before. That is shocking. I did yeah, not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So we all know that the pandemic had a, a huge impact on our students across the country. But talk specifically about what your research showed around how it impacted youth in those small rural communities and what you saw as a result of the, of the pandemic in your research. So my experience as the uh, district executive officer of the alternative school was um, when the COVID shutdowns hit, um, many students and families saw it as an opportunity to go out and get a full-time job. Mm. Um, and then they were faced with a lot of bills and, um, and they could not afford once school started up again, they could not afford to uh, return to school. Now, most of these kids wouldn't be considered disconnected because they are working. A lot of them had babies. Um, mm -hmm. they, they became parents. A lot of them got involved in a lot of substance abuse. Um, they weren't, they even more, um, they had even more barriers ahead of them for mental and health services because our health communities were overcome with uh, COVID patients and all the restrictions that that um, fall into that realm. Um, they they sometimes were denied the ability to seek services, um, and then there's just not as many available in the rural communities. So they. It was a significant barrier that they faced, and some of them just gave up. Which caused, obviously, that disconnection that you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to use one of your research questions, because you had some really good questions, um, what causes youth to become disconnected beyond what we just talked about? And second, what are the social and financial implications of that disconnection on a rural community? Okay, so most of the kids that I interviewed, um, most of them were, were family issues that caused them to become disconnected, whether they had uh, significant family responsibilities mm -hmm. or um, substance abuse in the home or um, no support, um, just struggling families. That's what caused most of them. I did have one a participant who had a significant amount of uh, uh, support in his home, but he just was not interested in education. And uh, so that, that we do have those as well. It's not always created. Sometimes it's internal. Um, the social and financial implications of the disconnection. Um, well, socially there, we have untreated health struggles one of the participants, she's a very strong girl, um, but she uh, fell under the radar as having health struggles. She's not somebody that you would look at or speak to and think she's got a lot of health, mental health struggles. And she did. And she quit because she was too depressed. She felt doomed. She felt that she, um, she wasn't um, worth um, the struggle. 
for um, getting her to school. She had a lot of um, responsibilities within her home. She was taking care of her little siblings. Her mother was very, very ill with a, a brain um, injury or um, problem. And her dad was facing prison time mm-hmm. and she just gave up. Um, we've got increased incarceration rates as well. And then the financial implications of these disconnected youth is essentially they're not paying taxes. Um, so our communities are not receiving those funds um, from their employment. And they've got an increase in welfare and public assistance, which comes with not working. And of course, lower incomes when they are able to secure a job sometimes. And most of the time, they don't stay there very long. Wow. That's disheartening. That's disheartening. Absolutely. Um, what role does the community and any business partners, because you you mentioned them in your research, and I think that that's an important connection to make. What do they play? What part do they play in the cycle of reengaging these disconnected youth? Support and compassion is all it's going to take to help reconnect these kids. Um, that That is it. Um, if we're talking um, services, if we could increase our social emotional services to them, um, new programs that will help enhance their ability to find employment, teaching them how to dress for an interview or um, fill out a job application or um, find out what types of jobs are available to them? Um, they they have a thought in their mind, and if they don't succeed at that, sometimes they just give up entirely. So one of the things that I started at my school, it's a new program um, just for our students right now to keep them engaged, and we it's uh, developed to introduce them to our businesses in our community. And it's developed to introduce the businesses in our community to them. And um, I feel that if we allow students to go out and see different jobs or careers or interests, that those community members and these kids are going to connect and they're going to be much less likely to disengage in school And they're going to be much more likely to really focus on what they want to do with their lives and find the power within them to uh, continue to get done with their high school diploma and then to find a job that they're happy at. Um, I feel like we we have got an unofficial quote at our school called hearts first and the heads will follow. So if we reach their hearts, and that's students and our businesses, the heads are going to follow and we're going to do what we need to do to keep these kids connected. It speaks to the power of looking into your community to build on those assets that we all have in, in within our, our realm of, of potential partnerships. Absolutely. Every community... Um, business that I have contacted. I've contacted 40 just in our small community. I've got about another 40 to 60 more to connect to. 
every one of them has opened their doors and their arms lovingly to these kids and said, absolutely, bring them in. We will show them what we do. I want them to see the different levels in every business uh, and see that if they if they want to be a veterinarian, go for it. But if you feel like you can't be a veterinarian, you can still work with animals in a veterinarian hospital. And there's all these different opportunities in that area. And we visited seven, I believe, uh, now um, with the kids that are interested in specific businesses. And the connection is just amazing already. Oh, that that's That's fantastic. And it goes to show that if students know what the possibilities are, if we open their mind to thinking about their possible career pathway or their job pathway moving forward, that it could potentially change their trajectory for the better. And it's not scary anymore. It's not, I don't know how to do that. I don't know. They've been there. They've seen it. They've had people talk to them and explain it to them. And so they're not going to be as hesitant to follow through with mm. what their dreams and and desires in the workforce are going to be. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Thank you to Trainual for sponsoring The Rural Scoop. Trainual is the number one software for process documentation and employee manuals. It puts everything into one simple searchable system that is easy to navigate, is clearly organized, and is simple to access. It's perfect for schools and even entire school systems. Trainual can also help your continuation plans as well. For example, your chemistry teacher can log how they've organized the storage room, making it easier for the next person who takes that job. Listeners of The Rural Scoop get 10% off their first 12 months by using offer code RURALSCOOP. When you sign up for your free trial, just enter Rural Scoop, one word, as a promo code, and it'll automatically apply. Just go to trainual.com to get started. So Kelly, your research is really about telling the story of youth in these rural communities. And I'd like for you to spend a little time introducing us and talking about the students that were involved in your research study. You bet. Um, most of them, well, about half of them were former students in my school district. Um, all of the ones that were former students in my school district um, quit school and did not go to work um, when COVID hit. Uh, and then others were um, brought to me through word of mouth. So uh, the first young lady that I uh, interviewed was a former student. Uh, she had a very difficult time socially in school. Um, she was uh, she was very much into uh, defying her parents and trying to figure out different ways that she can break the rules and things like that. She ended up in the juvenile detention center. She was actually rescued from a human trafficking kidnapping attempt. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, she, at the time of the interview, she was a new mother of a three-month-old baby. And she and her boyfriend um, were living on the streets in Las Vegas. Um, she has plans to come back, but she has not fulfilled those plans yet. 
I do keep in touch with her a little bit, but she's still, um, she still hasn't reengaged in school or work. Mm-hmm. Um, the second, well, I don't, I don't remember which, um, <laughs> I don't remember which, um, order of operation I put them in my dissertation, but the second one that comes to mind, um, uh, he was a homeless student. He, uh, had a very normal upbringing, um, and then his mom passed away very suddenly of a, a brain aneurysm, I believe. And um, his dad um, developed some significant mental health issues. Um, dad left um, for fear of government repercussions for COVID um, vaccines and things like that. And essentially went to live in the woods somewhere and left this student and his brother on their own in their apartment. And um, this student was a, he was a student and then he quit school to try to go to work um, with his brother. But essentially they ended up neither one of them working and living in a parking lot in um, one of the local grocery stores parking lots. He uh, continually came to ask for assistance. He would come to the school and take showers and things like that. Um, he has re-engaged in, in fact, he graduated. He, I opened up my house and he's living with me right now. Um, his brother is just happy being homeless. So his brother continues to be very disconnected. Um, but he is a high school graduate. So he has the potential to get a job. He just is okay with not working right now. And that's his decision. Um, The next girl um, that comes to mind, she um, became a mother of two very quickly back to back. And the baby's fathers are both um, in prison. And uh, she lives with her mother and her grandmother. And she re-engaged in school this school year. So she is currently working on her high school diploma. Um, the other one, uh, one of the other participants, uh, he was, he has significant um, drug addictions, very positive, very um, supportive family, comes from a great family. Um, but he made decisions that set him up for um, living on the streets in Phoenix. And um, he has attempted rehab a few times. Um, last time I saw him during the interview, he was clean and he was looking for a job. I have not heard from him lately, which scares me a little bit. But last I knew he was looking for a job and he looked great. So I hope that he is continuing his his um, sobriety and off to a great life. The student that I mentioned earlier that was kind of lazy and uh, decided he just didn't, wasn't interested in school is back in school because his mom made him. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was uh, the power of tough love, I think, on that one. And uh, he's doing well. He's a little bit more ambitious than he was before, and he still is in school. He enrolled again in August. Um, 
the the one of the gem students that um, she, I talked a little bit about her before. Her mother was very very sick as well, and she was caring for her young siblings. And her dad was preparing to um, go to prison. She was one of our graduates last year. She actually came back, I believe, in February. She only had a few uh, classes to finish up. She finished up and she's a graduate. Um, last I spoke to her, she was working full time and uh, making plans to go to our local community college. Uh, one of the other girls um, came to her mother came um, to me, actually, when she heard that I was doing this study. I don't know how she heard about it. But um, her daughter was a 16-year-old um, dropout, just refused to go back to school after COVID shutdowns hit. She's got a lot of anxiety. And um, she didn't feel uh, comfortable in um, school anymore. Uh, she re-enrolled with us in April of last year with the encouragement of her mom and the availability of our alternative school. And she's doing very well in our setting. And then our last little gem, um, she, she was in a home of a mother who had, I believe nine children or she has nine siblings. So they might be 10 children. Mom, um, was a, a severe, severe drug addict. And um, this girl was taken out of school, I believe when she was a freshman, to take care of the younger children, which she did a phenomenal job at. And she came to us with virtually no social skills. Mm. And um, the, the way that I found out about her was um, they were trying to get her in to a school. And so her social worker had come to our school and um, there was a lot of legal um, hoops that they had to jump through in order to and change, um, I believe, custody and um, living placement and stuff like that for her. But so during the time that we were transitioning and trying to figure those things out for her, I was able to interview her and hear, learn her story. And um, once they got everything figured out, um, we put things in place for her. And she is a student in our school now as well. Um, she's doing very well. And um, she's overcome so much. So of the uh, nine that I interviewed that were disconnected at the time, six of them have reengaged. And two of those six are high school graduates. That's exciting. And it speaks to the power of the connection that you're talking about. Absolutely. Just reaching out and um, showing some human compassion and encouragement and sitting down and discussing, you know, what their plans and helping them make plans and follow through with those. That's all it took. Yeah. You know, Kelly, what's interesting is that several of the students that you interviewed were homeless at the time of the interview. And and rural homelessness is something that's very different because it can slip under the radar and people may not even know that you have students in your rural communities that, that don't have shelter. Absolutely. They're, they're, 
the the two boys, the brothers that were living in the car, they were seeking um, homeless shelters in our area, and there was nothing for them. There was one possibility, but they were turned away. And so they were in their vehicle and in the middle of winter and the middle of winter in Prescott is pretty cold. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, they were living in a car. Um, the dad purchased a membership to a local gym so they could shower when they, when they felt that they needed a shower. That was all they had. And then he would send them money here and there for gasoline and for food. Yeah. It's very different in a rural community where there's a lack of access for resources anyway. It's, mm-hmm. it's even more difficult in a rural setting when you have that homelessness for those students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beyond the fact, obviously, these these youth that you were interviewing are very worthy of our time. And as you have shown, there are positive results that come out of that. Um, but why is it important if you could explain the why behind it if people still aren't convinced of the why um, but why is it important that rural areas really do take the time and effort to make sure that they are trying to re-engage these youth that are living in their communities well if we focus what's on uh, important to people um finances are very important and um if we help the community understand the financial implications, the things that they're having to pay for as a result of this dis- these disconnected youth, um, I know that's not the most important thing. But to others, when they realize, oh, I'm paying more taxes because of X and X and X and X and, and all these different um, uh, implications that are being uh brought to our financial pocketbooks for because of disconnected youth, uh, they're not paying taxes. If they're not working, they're not paying taxes. Um, if they're not in school, they're not learning anything. Um, and if they are working, it's very, very little. Um, they are jumping from job to job. They've got very minimal pay. Um, the incarceration rates, I've mentioned that, um, are much higher because they have nothing to do. And the increased uh, welfare and public health um, costs are increased when when our youth are disconnected as well. Um, essentially, though, it's the reason that we need to get involved with this is it's what's right as humans. That's why. So yeah. I have this... I had this epiphany um, a while back, and I thought, um, essentially, none of us are alive today because we did it on our own. We're all on this earth because somebody's helped us. Well said. (laughs) And it's our duty to help others. And the fulfillment that comes with that, you know that, the Mm -hmm. fulfillment that comes with even just smiling at somebody in and having that 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 stranger smile back at you changes lives and so if the fulfillment part of if we can get our community to to recognize the fulfillment aspect of helping our disconnected youth 
it's going to change our entire community. Very, very well said. I mean, they they have potential to be game changers within our community if we make sure they have the tools. Absolutely. So Kelly, you talked a little bit about how the the students that you were able to reconnect with, um, what they're doing moving into the future, but what's next for you? You've got your doctorate, you've published your research. What's next for you? Uh, well, I talked a little bit about the program that I uh, created and have um, set in motion in my school district. That was it. Um, that was the first um, the first thing that I wanted to do um, to um, keep them in school and to not increase our disconnected youth. Um, they are visiting different um, places around our community and understanding what it takes to have a job. Um, open your own business if you want to. Um, and it, it puts them um, in the workforce and then thinking about what they might, might want to do when they graduate. It doesn't mean that you have to go to a university or a college to be successful. Uh, they need to understand that they can be successful if they find the passion to do so. Um, I also um, have been rather successful through the power of social media and advertising and word of mouth and getting out in the community and finding other disconnected youth and re-engaging them. We have we are a very tiny school district, about 80 students, but um, I think this year alone we've had about 10 of those who were formerly disconnected that I have never met before. But they just heard of us word of mouth or their parents heard of us word of mouth or advertising. I spent a lot of time on uh, and money on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we've we've had about 10 formally disconnected youth come back that I, I mean, go back to school. And then later, once I get my feet wet and on solid ground with these um, projects, I plan to get out into our community and educate our community and our small businesses and our people in our areas about the disconnected youth and why it's so important to get involved and to rally around them. Any plans to take this out further than just Prescott and that area that you're living and working in? You know, in the grand scheme of things, that would be great. But I need to make sure that I do this the right way. And so, yes, if I am successful at transforming our community um, and getting them involved, I would absolutely be more than happy to go out and help in other communities. So, Kelly, as we wrap up our time here, is there anything else that we didn't get a chance to touch on that might be important to highlight, either with your students, with your community, or with the research that you did? The only thing that comes to mind is that everybody can make a difference, and it's not going to cost a dime. It's just engaging and and listening and a little bit of your time and helping, maybe you know somebody that's disconnected and they they feel lost and and they're not they don't have the guidance that they need. It's maybe just some time and compassion, and um, that's going to change lives. And it's once you change one life, it's a it's a domino effect, and it's going to change others' lives. That's the only thing I can think 
that our listeners that they can do this as well. It doesn't take a big study and a whole bunch of money to get a doctorate to learn how to do this stuff. It's the art of human compassion and connection, and that's all it's going to take. And Kelly, I think it starts with, as you said earlier, noticing, noticing that they're not there. Yeah. Not sticking your head in the mud and pretending like they're not there. It's they're there and they're everywhere. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to highlight your research. It is very important. And I'm sure that there are people in all of our rural communities across Arizona and beyond that could benefit from just making sure that they're noticing those students that may not be engaged in either school or the community at large and doing something about it. So thanks. Thank you so much for allowing me to uh, explain this research and it's part of what I imagined and making a difference. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the rural scoop. Please be sure to rate review and subscribe, or even leave us a comment and be sure to follow on Twitter at Dr. Sadorf. That's D R underscore S A D O R F so that you never miss a new release. You can also check out previous episodes of The Scoop wherever you get your podcasts. Production support for The Rural Scoop is provided by Chattanooga Podcast Studios. Find out more at ChattanoogaPodcastStudios.com. See you next time for more great discussions about rural education. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.